Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Banquet Hall Podcast, or as this week's episode is Black Men Sipping Tea on a Zoom Call. Yes, sir. Hmm. I'm joined by the one, the only, I see what the... <laughs> you ain't see that. You ain't see that. Y'all ain't see that. Y'all ain't see that. <laughs> Audio listeners, y'all, if if you know, you know, you, you gotta gotta check it all video. But I'm joined by the one, the only Lou Salem. Lou, how you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Kyler. Uh, I'm glad to be on the Bankable Hall podcast. I know we've uh, been working on this for a while and uh, finally got it locked in. So I'm excited. You know, um, I can talk for a long time. So uh, you told me, uh, be myself. That's what your listeners are gonna get. <laughs> this is on him, guys. This is all on him. <laughs> Hey, that's what that's what we like at the bank ball. We want the authenticity. And I think especially from people that a lot of people don't always get to hear a lot from when you're not necessarily performing. So it gives you, people an opportunity to get to know more about you. Uh, but first things first, listeners, as always, make sure you're following the podcast at Banquet Hall Pod. Leave us a five star rating because Lou is going to provide five star content. And most importantly, hit up a friend and let them know to give us a listen as well. Uh, Lou, before we get to the questions, what what kind of tea are you sipping on? Uh, I am sipping on the Yogi Detox Tea, Yogi brand. I've been using this for years. Um, there was another brand I used to like, uh, I messed with, but this one's been my favorite. It feels more full with the taste. So, uh, yeah, it's my brand. It's not a, it's not detox teas don't really do anything for you. But um, I always uh, I always tell people I'm like rather than like that green tea or what is it that green juice like seven day mm-hmm. detox just take care of your liver man take care of your liver it's the best detox thing your liver and your kidneys that's the best kind of detox they they're doing that for you already so you take care of those you straight see listeners y'all you know y'all's gonna get the liver lesson today on the banquet hall that's how much we got you covered with Lou salem um i am drinking a lemon balm kiwi tea and as i think through like all these different tea marketing strategies like they really be they be doing the most on some of these labels with what these teas be doing yeah. <laughs> no, i was like wait you said lemon balm kiwi tea yeah it's like it's from this brand. It's like Beauty Brain Botanicals or something like that. Oh. Uh, this is really expensive tea bag for no reason, but it <laughs> tastes good. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I was going to say lemon balm. I like lemon teas, but with the kiwis too in it, like that sounds that sounds pretty fire, honestly. Yeah, it's definitely delicious. Um, it's supposed to help your skin. It's supposed to help your brain. It's supposed to help a lot of stuff. Honestly, they just, like I said, they get you with the marketing. I'm like, yeah, my brain could be like a little beautiful. You feel me? Yo, quite <laughs> except though, kiwis are also like a super fruit. So another thing, another point. We're learning so much. We're learning with Lou today on the Banquet Hall podcast. You tuned in. You thought you was just going to find out about me as an artist. You already found out about liver health <laughs> and kiwis. I mean, if you don't, if you didn't know already, this is going to be an all over the place podcast. So. <laughs> hey i i am all here for it lou i want this to be the most all-encompassing podcast that ever existed as we sip tea so listeners grab your favorite tea bag grab honey are you a honey sugar person with your tea or just straight tea bag and water um i like uh i like honey with the tea i don't do it all the time like i'm like a i'm a very simple person like with stuff like when it comes to like bagels, I don't my I don't I didn't really eat them with like cream cheese growing up. So like I just I can eat a bagel with like just 
like a cinnamon raisin raisin bagel, I'll just throw it in the microwave, make it soft, and then just eat it. So like stuff like that doesn't like occur to me. Like I didn't drink coffee or tea or anything really growing up. So like it's not you know some people is like oh with coffee it's like cream and sugar like if somebody asked me to get them coffee I'm gonna just get them coffee more than likely like <laughs> just coffee and unless they say like hey this creamer or this sugar or something like that I'm like here here's your coffee I'm like <laughs> it's just shit like it's like I don't drink that shit so it don't occur to me I brought I brought bagels I was uh I, in college I had to bring bagels for a class once. And I brought the bagels from like Einstein or no, like I went to like Ralph's and I got like a bunch of bags of bagels and I brought them in. And one of my classmates was like, where's the spread? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, he was like, this, you didn't get any spread. I was like, oh, y'all wanted that? <laughs> like, my bad. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't use spread. Like, I don't know what you he want. He said, y'all said bagels. I went and completed the mission and got bagels. Like, they need specific. to be more specific. Yeah, <laughs> they need to be more specific. Um, yeah. I I'd be mad at you too. Though. I'm not gonna lie, because yeah. you know damn well it's inferred when people ask for bagels. They oh, need it, some type of cream cheese with it, because you can't just serve people um, a everything bagel with just nothing. Well, see, I, I learned. Well, I don't think I got like cinnamon raisin and like one other thing that I was like, oh, you could eat these. Like in my head, I was like, oh, you don't need. Like I don't think I got like an everything bagel, but I learned that day. Like if somebody asks for bagels, get the get the spread. That's for sure. That is for sure. The coffee thing, like honestly, what can you accept? People got to be specific with their coffee order anyway. Yeah. Um, you don't come across as a type of person who goes to Starbucks and gets like a double pump pumpkin spice latte with cold foam and all the other bells and whistles on it and all that. Nah, dog, like I have that whole <laughs> Starbucks. I like when I was in high school and like Starbucks was like popping off and shit. Like I actively did not drink it because I was like. I did not like, like, it's like, you know, like when something's so hype, you just like innately, like just anti it. So I was just anti coffee for like my entire life. And to this day, I still don't drink. <laughs> I don't drink coffee still to this day. I'll drink tea, but uh, caffeine in general, like I don't fuck with. So I'm like, yeah, I tried. I kind of fucked with it this year. I was drinking those Celsius drinks and then mm. my heart started hurting because I was drinking too many. So I said, nah, this ain't, this ain't it. <laughs> I was like waking up first thing in the morning and chugging a Celsius and going going about my day and I was like, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't it for you. Yeah. You can see the caffeine experience really showing through. <laughs> well, that wraps up the uh, dietary needs corner of the Banquet Hall podcast. Now let's get into Lou, you as the amazing human being you are. Uh, the first question I usually talk to my podcast about after we talk about tea and liver and all the other stuff, the usual, you feel me? Uh, where are you from, Lou? And how did that shape who you have become as a person? Um, So I'm born and raised in San Diego. You know, the the better, uh, one of the better cities in California, above some other major market cities, you know, to the north of us, about two hours. San Francisco? Wow. Um, no, like two hours north. Riverside? Like, um, like if you go up to five and then you go up into the 405, and it's gonna piss uh -huh. off a lot of people, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's it's my favorite city out of the two cities in near proximity. Um, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I grew up in San Diego, born and raised, uh, specifically the uh, Mira Mesa neighborhood. Shout out to Mecca, um, and it's an area that it was 
I grew up around a lot of different people. Um, not very many black people at all out here. Um, but I grew up like in an environment for the most part, like just like not really of the main main group. Like uh, it's a predominantly like Filipino neighborhood. If you know Mary Mesa, you know for sure a lot of Filipinos. Shout out my Pinoys and um, yeah, a lot of Filipino, a lot of Vietnamese. Um, so a big, big Asian community, and then everybody else as far as like other ethnicities. And so out of that group, just not a lot of like black people around for like a good portion of my life, like growing up. So um, I it it brought in, I brought I was like exposed to a lot of different stuff growing up. Like number one, like out out the gate as a kid, I was already like very, um, like I love learning, um, <clears throat> very big nerd from like, from early, from an early age. Um, I grew up, my mom, my dad's, my mom's side of the family is, um, Haitian. So, um, I used to speak a lot of Creole, like growing up and just like, like around that a lot more. My dad's, uh, from DC area. So I didn't spend too much time around his family growing up. Um, so it was all like my mom's side of the family. So a lot of that played a big influence on like just that family um, centered like life and like kind of values and everything as far as that. And if anybody knows like, anybody with Caribbean family or and what, what I came to like find out was like Caribbean, uh, like Filipino in particular, there's a lot of similarities, especially between Haitians and Filipinos. So many similarities, you know, two island nations and countries um big roman catholic population a lot of people think that haiti is all like voodoo it's like 90 mm -hmm. percent like roman catholic very very big catholic community and um so a lot of the views like a lot of you know good ass food big ass families family drama um <laughs> yeah so i'm like when i grew up and i spent like a lot of time around my filipino friends and family or like i was just like oh like this is like this feels like home in a lot of senses um and so yeah i grew up here and just was like exposed to all of that like just those different cultures so like i grew up on a nerd so i grew up watching like anime playing video games from early on um uh like computers and stuff like that just all that type of stuff math science um drawing like just like just like mm. any way of like getting my brain activated and like firing and something i could really like sink my teeth into and just do for like hours like i just loved all that type of stuff so i grew up with like that um and then as I got older, as far as like more arts, like I really got into like, I got further into drawing. Then I started making like, or I would experiment with like cameras. I love playing around with video cameras, um, shooting little mini movies, making like power or um, Windows Movie Maker, uh, mm. things like that. So getting <laughs> exposed to like film early on. Um, and then with music, I actually really didn't start making music like I would dabble with like guitar was my kind of my favorite one that I like to play. I never really fully, fully like stuck with it, but you know, every now and then I get an acoustic or a friend of mine would let me borrow their like electric guitar. And that was like a blast. Cause it was just like all the sounds that I could make with that. So mm -hmm. it was a good amp. Um, and so I would just like learn songs on the guitar, like using like tab websites and shit like that. Um, when I was in middle school, my friend, um, my, uh, my friend Jasper, Jasper Saldana put me on to one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, probably my favorite band, uh, minus the bear, um, just like indie rock band, experimental rock band from Seattle. And that put me on to like a rabbit hole of like all this other type of music in like middle school. So like 
kind of like where I think a lot of people it hit the um like the emo rock when like Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, like that whole era, like that we all um Par- Paramore, yeah, Paramore, yep. um that like that period that we were all like yeah, like emo rock, <laughs> um Evanescence, like all those things. Side note, um, Nickelback is not that bad. I know Nickelback gets a bad <laughs> reputation, but I, like, as a kid, my parents got one of those now. That's what I call music CDs or whatever. The classics. And had, yeah, and it had that, um, like, uh, our, like, our, it's like, screaming, we having fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I remember as a kid just like rocking out because that song was just like, I don't know what it was about it, but it just like yeah. hit the chord with me. And I was like, yo. So whenever when I grew up and it was like a thing that Nickelback was like shitty, I just it just missed me. I like I don't know. I didn't get it. Like I get it was it was like one of those things where I was like, oh, like as I got older, I realized it was just like easy, like slam dunk on them. But like those some of those songs were fire. Like they're undeniable bangers to me. And I'll just die on that hill. Mm-hmm. What if um, I told you that I didn't know that people didn't like Nickelback until this very moment? Because I liked Nickelback. Right? Like, I thought, like, it was, uh, like, a Family Guy skit or something like that. And they, like, mm. shit on Nickelback. And I was like, do people not fuck with Nickelback like that? Like, I Yeah, was, I thought Nickelback was cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I fuck with it. What's that? Look at this photograph. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it was good shit. But, um... But yeah, I uh yeah, I just got into a lot of like indie rock and stuff like that. And then and then at the same time though, um, because this was like 07 or so. So this was like around the time of like Chappelle show. Um, I never and I always listened to rap and hip hop for sure. Like that was always a big thing around the house. Um my dad's from the East Coast, so he would play a lot of like funk bands too. So like Parliament Funkadelic um was a lot that we had black street was like a big that's mm. one of the biggest influences early on that i was like fucking with um so for real we had that cd so it was just like so like my parents my, my dad in particular especially like had like pretty good taste with like music and albums that we had and like just like early exposure to that and so then like i just kept growing up with like a love of all those things and then like edm techno so like daft punk um I'm trying to think of who else. EDM, I can't name a whole bunch of influences. Oh, you know what it was? It was um Dance Dance Revolution. Dance Ooh. Dance Revolution. See, I was going to ask about Guitar Hero, so we can start with DDR. <laughs> yep. Well, DDR was big because we actually, I actually at one point had the pad for it. So like Darude Sandstorm was. Oh, like, you was rich. One. No, I'm just kidding. Nah, <laughs> nah Rich is having a full you. metal platform. Nah, we were like, we was okay. <laughs> we was all right. But the, if you had the metal platform, oh, you was a baller. Like that was like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> no, but we did, I did play. The DDR was a small kind of like part of that history. Memory unlocked though. Holy shit. I forgot about playing that. Um, <laughs> core memory. Um, but Guitar Hero was a major one for putting me onto a lot of rock songs, classics. Um, I became a big Tom Morello fan because of his uh, scratching technique on the guitar, where like mm. that shit sounded super dope. And then, um, and then I found some other songs. I was just talking to this to someone about this the other day. There's a song on Guitar Hero two or three. I think it's three. That's one of the bonus songs. And it's like an instrumental, like fusion rock band on there. Mm-hmm. And it's no, 
um it's no vocals it's just like kind of like t-square the band that does all the mario kart music where it's just like mad like funky and poppy and all that stuff and like electronic but or like but this band like had more of a rock influence and it was like i remember to this day like playing that shit on repeat like on line wire i found the songs and was just like bumping them like on repeat driving or like riding my bike around into school and stuff like that like it was like just i just i loved finding beautiful music or music that was like very um not jazzy but like that mix of like the gospel jazz choir like chord progressions and stuff where mm. it's just like where you just hear it and you go, ooh, ooh, like it's like going to Soul Sunday and you hear the band playing, you're just like, like I can't believe they thought of that and it just works yeah. so well. So like, yeah, like that's what uh, I I fucked with a lot musically growing up, and then yeah, just like and then playing like just being a kid and like playing video games with my friends, like just taking a lot of influence from a lot of places and just because of that environment growing up that I grew up in, I was open to a lot of things. And so mm. to this day, that's still reflected in my art and music and tastes of things that I'm like all over the place with different passions and stuff that like, I can randomly go like it. It's, it's one of those things that to this day, I'm like, I feel like I definitely have run out of, or it's like, you know, when you're like computer is like almost out of space. Like my brain has all this information <laughs> about all these things and some for some in some things i'm like i have no reason why i couldn't tell you why i have all this information about this particular subject but i do and if you talk to me about it it will like come all the way out like i will share mm. it. so um what what do you feel is the number one thing you nerd out about whether it's like a video game an anime like what's your number one thing and if someone's like lou talk for 30 minutes about this you could just give an instant ted talk on currently formula one Formula okay. One is the, my big thing like that I can go on like for at least a good 30 like if somebody is like brand new like hey what's Formula One about what why should I care it like it's one of those things I can't sum it up in like five or ten minutes like or like it has to be if I really want you to get into it or if you really want to know like the full thing about it it's a good like 30 minutes I could talk about straight just on like the basics of the sport kind of like the teams and some of the like mm. team histories but there's it's such a I mean it's been around for like 60 70 years now so it's been around for a long time a lot of drivers a lot of races and I'm only I only got into it fully in like 2017 when that drive to survive series came out um so I've in a short amount of time I learned a lot like I wake up every race um you know sundays five six you know four five six a.m in the morning to watch the race um even if i go out the night before like if i get home at like one or two or something like that mm -hmm. i'm still waking up four hours later for that race like i'm mm -hmm. not missing it i hate i can't watch recorded sporting events or things like that it's I can't terrible do it. i can't it's do it. terrible I, gotta, <laughs> I need my because i'm like my energy in the real time could make the difference you know what exactly I mean? like, people don't understand that like i remember <laughs> I forget where I was going, but I was going to have, I think I was going to have to miss the Lakers game for a friend's party. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, you could just watch it later. They're like, watch the highlights later. I'm like, no, that's not, this is the playoffs. I need to be there from the tip off. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Especially playoffs or some shit like that. Nah, like I'm not watching it later. If I <laughs> don't happen to, if I'm not able to watch it at the time, like it's either I don't watch it or either I, either I watch it or I don't watch it and I catch the highlights, but I'm not watching the recording of it. Like if I didn't mm -hmm. catch it in the mind, like there's no, cause I'm like, that's 
that time that I have like Sunday mornings for me watching those races. Like there's nothing else I got to do at that time. Any other time in the day, I'm doing some shit. So or like there's something yeah. else I want to do. So yeah. And like I follow too many social media accounts and stuff like that that'll spoil a race. So I'm like, I can't do it now. I gotta watch Yeah. It. Absolutely. Uh, but Lou, I think you gave a pretty good foundation for some of your upbringing and the environment in which you grew up in that kind of shaped who you are. And I'm excited to talk a little bit more about how that influences your craft as an artist. But before we get there, I wanted to talk a little bit about how we first crossed paths. Um, I don't necessarily expect you to remember the exact day, moment, and time that we crossed paths. Do you remember? But do you remember the general time of life when we first crossed paths? Yeah, because it was 2017, I think, when I started, when I, like, basically when I started going to Black Expression. Um, I, I I started going November of 2017. I think the first one I went to was, like, Black Friday. So, yeah, I went to Black Expression. I remember I was, like, so hyped to go on, and then I was, but I was on the, like, not guaranteed list, so I didn't get to perform, and I was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I was so hyped up, I was like, oh, shit, because at that time, I was going to Lyrical Exchange and it was cool, but I just it wasn't like the same energy that I needed as far as like performing music because it was a lyrical exchange was like heavy on the poet side, like mm-hmm. the spoken word. So um for me going to Black Expression was like, oh, I can like rap here and it's not like rapping into not a void, but rapping into a crowd of like, okay, people that like are more prepared to hear like live music and stuff like that and not just spoken words. So I was super hyped and then didn't get to go. But then I think I came back the next week and started going. So, yeah, like, but yeah, I don't honestly, I, uh, my brain is not, my memory has been shitty for years. So I cannot <laughs> tell you exactly how we met. It's just gradually through black expression. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like with, because that's the other thing. I feel like people who don't really be at open mics don't really understand how frequently people like commit to going to open mics. Like we go to these open mics every single week, sometimes two or three times a week. So yeah, like I could have met you at one month of 2017 or one month of 2018. It's just that string of open mics to where after a while, it's just like, Hey, Lou's here. And that's all that matter. (laughs) That's how I met so many people there was just like, I just kept showing up and was like, yeah, the the problem that I have though, and uh, I don't I don't know how many people like know it or realize it, but um, I don't know. It's it's not. I don't say this to be conceited, but it's. I think I have. I've had a lot of more people that know who I am, that than I know them. As far as like, like I have three brothers and sisters. Uh, well, four, but um, I have an older sister. She grew up in the Bay Area, so I grew up with my younger siblings. And growing up with them, they like we're we were like uh, in Mira Mesa. It was like oh, like the Holloway kids. Like um, we're all pretty close in age, so then like we all would hang out. So there was a lot of people going coming through around the house, like my mom's house or whatever, like hanging out or like you know going to school. So I, like I would pop, you know, like run into all these people. And so like years later. Um, these kids that I maybe have met like once or twice or something like that, they would be like, oh, hey, like, hey, Lou, like, um, um, you know, and I'm like, they like know me. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> and then they have to be like, or I'm like, I'm sure we met, but like, I'm like, like, without being disrespectful, it's like, sometimes I'm like, you're a blip in my, my day. Like, but my memory yeah. is also like very scatterbrained. Like a lot of, 
there's a lot of reasons for that but i'm like yeah there's a lot of um holes and gaps in my memory where people i'm like i like you i for sure have left a bigger impression on their lives than i than they have on mine and it's not to be it's just like my brain is like my, my mind at any given moment is all over the place so um with like people from black expression at times like i'll see people to this day like there's people that i see and i know their face i know them but their name just does not is not like does not compute like I, like i have to look at the list or something like that like it just it takes me a minute and i'm like and i feel bad but i'm also like i, I stopped feeling as bad but because i'm like oh you know, like you know i fuck with them too but it's just like yeah it's tough sometimes when you're when you're an artist or someone that is present a lot in a space and the blessing the curse of doing a good enough job at your craft that you become known but then you it's the the, the double-edged sort of that is that people know you way more people yeah. know, you know them and you don't and it, it, it kind of weighs on you not to make it feel like impersonal or like you don't want to offend anybody but it's just like it kind of comes with the territory sometimes so it's like yeah this is definitely more common than i think I'm sure other people feel that way. Like I'm sure it's a bit main character main character syndrome, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like a thing for me that like these days where I'm like, oh shit. Or like people that I met years ago and they still remember. Yeah. Me. No, I'm definitely the same way. Like I think especially just all the different roles that I've had to serve in just my life. Like I used to work for college admissions. So I would literally go to college fairs three nights a week where I'm speaking to three, 400 people that I'm never going to see again. And so what I've literally have had to start telling people is like, especially like I tell some of my close friends when they introduce me to people, I'm like, Hey, I know you've talked about this person before, but I honestly struggle remembering people. If I don't see them at least like three times. Cause I think my brain is just like, Hey, you don't need to remember their name. And that's not even trying to be like, holier than thou or anything but it's just like i'm trying to be present with the people that are present in my life so sometimes i can have a really intentional conversation with you make that impact but if i know i'm probably not going to see you again but maybe once or twice in a few months i could forget your name but remember mm -hmm. so much more about you and i think yeah. that being in the art space that's why i really appreciate spaces like black expression because there's people that have performed at open mics affected me to my core with their performance and not never see them again, or maybe I see them one more time. I don't remember their name. I don't remember the title of their piece, but I just remember they a dope ass artist. And that's all that matter for tonight. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's just your brain automatically filters information to like, how important is this information going to be to you in the next 30 seconds? Because if not, then it's immediate. Like, for me, it's like, it's immediately getting filed out the window. Uh, unless it's something that I'm like, all right, I need to remember this person. And even important shit, like really yeah. important shit sometimes <laughs> will just be like, you can you can remember this thing, this really important thing, or you can remember what tires Lewis Hamilton finished the race on. So like in, in, the, in the last race, it's like, I think, and the brain's just like, I think we know which one we can keep. <laughs> uh, yes, the brain works in mysterious ways. Uh, Lou, before we started recording, I mentioned that I was going to show you a video that I wanted to get your reaction to. And I think because we started talking about Black Express, I think it was fitting that I show it right now. 
Um, it's just a very quick video of just a very wholesome moment in Black expression history that I really appreciate looking back on. Uh, listeners, if you have the time, make sure you check out the YouTube channel, or if you're watching on Spotify, you can check out the video too. I'll make sure to post it. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god! I and I was I was trying to hear what song it was, and I now I remember the song. I was like, I haven't done that song in so long. Um, oh my god! Do you remember whose kid that was? Uh, her name is Jen. 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 Oh, I'm not. I'm not even gonna just. <laughs> Shout out to Jen Jen. I hope you I hope you're doing well. I hope the, the baby's doing well. Um, yeah, wow. What a black expression, man. Like it's there's so many <laughs> memories. I'm glad you brought you know, I thought you were gonna pull up another clip that mm-hmm. I think um someone had of me like dancing in the background somewhere and I was just like vibing to some music. But that was a dope moment. That was a dope moment. Oh, that won my heart. Yeah, that that was the goal of the clip. I wanted to pull something heartwarming, get the smiles going, because those are the nights that I feel like I remember the most about places like Black Expression. Or even I've had similar nights at Lyrical Exchange or when Trilogy Sanctuary was around. It's just those certain things that when you tell a person, like, oh, you should come to Black Expression, those are the moments that you can't really describe. But it's like, yeah, like, this is why you should come. Like, it's just dope. Yeah, like. I remember La Bodega had so many like memories in that spot of like just random shit like music and like people that came through all the time and had like signature songs that they would perform from being there so often and just like or like signature intros like it was like a full on it felt like like when you hear um like when like going to see a WWE fight and then like Stone Cold Steve Austin like glass break <laughs> And you're just like, oh my god! And then now it's like, oh my goodness, what's happening? Ah! <laughs> and they just go crazy. Like it was like if it, it was like that. Like we had legit black expression, like like celebrities, damn near of like people that popped up and was just like, oh yeah, you knew every time when they popped up or got on the mic, they were gonna kill it. And moments like that, and then just like in the moment, shit like where something like that happens, like somebody's kid comes up and dances in this performance. Hell yeah, we're gonna rock out with him. Like, because then that for them, they, I don't know how much he's gonna that baby's gonna or that kid is gonna remember it. But that moment, like, if it does stick with his head, like, it's, it's gonna yeah. be like it's gonna be one of those like core memory unlocked moments where he's gonna be like, oh shit, I remember that some guy was rapping. And I just <laughs> went up on stage and like and, and danced. Yes, yeah, it's, it's cultivating black joy, and I think that everybody in that space understands how important those moments are, especially for the kids that be in this space. Like we love uplifting the black kids that be at black expression and just hyping people up because people come into that space and you never know how bad of a day or how good of a day someone's having. So if you could just show them some love for like five to 10 seconds, like that may make their entire year and you never know. Right. Facts. And yeah, the black expression celebrities, like it's like, you you know when people don't when the newbies it's like oh y'all don't even know what this person about to perform like when miss sombra would go up and like oh y'all y'all don't even know what she about to do to y'all y'all not even ready or even nowadays when like freestyle goes on the mic it's like oh y'all y'all not even ready 
Yeah, Cheryl was the first person I thought of when I said that. I'm like, yeah, like she every time she came out, she killed it. And Freestyle Now is like that person that when she comes up and performs, everybody that knows knows. If you don't know, you know very quickly like what she can do. It's in like the first time I really remember her singing because I don't know if I remember her from the old days, but um within the past year like hearing her sing for the first time and like really being like holy shit dog like her voice is it's like the perfect mix of like everything of like you got the texture and tone and like the rasp when she starts hitting some of them like loud notes but then she's got like the precision and the highs and the lows like it's it's like spectacular yeah it's a complete voice like it's it's insane yeah, shout out to Freestyle. Uh, but also shout out to Lou Salem. You're the artist who is on the podcast. And I think that when I think about people who perform at Black Expression, you are amongst those people who is like, oh, Lou's performance tonight? Like, what is Lou about to do? Is he about to hit us with a poem out of nowhere? Is he about to rap for us? Like, or are you just about to get on the mic and tell us about your day in a hilarious manner? Um, <laughs> so, so, Lou, I want to hear from you. How do you define yourself as an artist? Because I hesitate to just call you a rapper because that isn't all encompassing of who you are. So who are you as an artist? Yeah. Um, that, that's, uh, like, I think, uh, for me, I'm just, just an artist in the, like the just straight simple definition of the term, as far as like how I approach things and my ultimate goal is just is creating something that, like, and especially right now, my point in a career where I'm trying to create something that feels like beautiful, as far okay. as like using the different tools in my belt, whether it be music, whether it be art, whether it be like design, or um, you know, one day getting to like getting into fashion and stuff like that, like whatever it be, I look at like all the different mediums of of art as like all right this is the tool to convey this thing or this idea that i have or like this thing that i want to do as far as so like music for me so far is like the primary one because i feel like one is the one that it's i like I, i love it and it's it's like to me right now it's like if i nail this music shit right this opens so many other doors for me to go and do other things. I feel like sometimes if you go the other way around, like if I was like a filmmaker and then I try to make music, it doesn't quite translate the same versus like if I make music first, um, because I think it's very, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant way as an artist to get your personality out there. And if you're someone that wants to, and kind of like showcase as far as like your other talents um, because of so many mediums that are involved with music, you know, with such as cinematography, um, you know, graphic design, you know, fashion ideas, like all of those things, um, acting in general, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those things um, you like when, if you do the music well and you, and the P and you, and you give of yourself and share your art well, or share yourself well, it opens so many doors um, to what you want to do. Like, I look at artists when I think when like when people ask me, what are your biggest like influences? Um, my initial big three 
as far as like the biggest influences um were our jay-z um specifically the black album um mm-hmm. that's a, like there's like beautiful beautiful songs on there um 50 cent um uh, the massacre album in particular i know get rich or die trying is the big one but to me the massacre was the one that i ran back and even like from g unit you know um beg for mercy i play that a lot there's some really good songs on that but the massacre had some like it was like it was just such a fucking good album and to this mm-hmm. day your rap most of it like off the rip um that one so 50 cent and i think what i realized too that may, that i like about 50 and i talk about this all the time is that there was no reason um a kid growing up in like suburban like middle class neighborhood should have been like feeling what 50 was talking about on them songs like especially at like 13 or 14 or whatever <laughs> there's right. no reason i should have been sitting there like yeah yeah shoot him up yeah yeah nigga i'll put the stone to the, you know like I, there's no reason i should have felt like that and that speaks a lot to like white voyeurism in black culture as far as like hood like hood music but um for me what it was when i look back and i was like oh he he was just his persona whatever like was just so entered it's like not just entertaining but it was just like oh like i didn't there was nothing that i doubted about what he was saying and like how he was like it did like that's how good he was at it i was like oh like even if he he could have never done any of those things and i would have believed like i was just like yeah no he did it yeah like basically absolutely like it's absolutely like yeah he's (laughs) killing everybody like he's selling out he's selling all the drugs he's shooting up everybody he's many men wish death upon him yeah and like and and i think that part two of his whole story like him getting shot and all those shit like that adds to it for sure add a bet for a lot of people but for me like yeah like it was just dope 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 music and so it was jay-z 50 cent and then the biggest one which is probably a lot is is clearly for a lot of people was kanye um specifically the college dropout which to this day is still my favorite I acknowledge that my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is his best. I think so far um, that like there's a dissect podcast series that they broke. Down I love dissect. Like, yeah. Like I thought college dropout was his best. And then he did the season on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even know all this shit was in the album. Like I didn't know the backstory. Another good one though, is the Yeezus one. That one, I really, really did not know the the arc the story arc behind that and that was like i was like oh he did this whole story on this album and there's no like skits like on same thing on dark twisted fantasy there's no skits or anything telling you that the story is just through the art and that's where i started to realize and go back to certain albums where i'm like okay now i can hear like or i can listen for a different thing as far as like our different more like more information but with kanye um his music i think i mean it's already been said that what he was rapping about on that i related to way more as far as you know with 50 it was like all right cool but like what kanye was talking about just like real nigga shit like even if i wasn't i didn't have a job yet at that point like you go back i'm like yeah that's the shit i relate to to this day you know spaceship you know working fucking the shit job and you're stuck in that job and you feel like it's just like i can't take this shit anymore um and like but like the the songs on like family business like at that time i was going through like a lot of i was going through a lot of shit at, uh, on a personal level with like my family at the time and so songs like that like family business like where 
sharing all the stuff that we got going on but it's like yo but we're not like putting that all out there like mm. we're still family business we still love each other even if like we all got shit some shit going on um what's the one um last call uh one of my favorite favorite outros ever because like that story like every time i go back and listen to it it's just such a good well done like outro and it's like it's like how could someone make an outro this long but when you got a story like that that's how you make it like it like mm-hmm. a story that great of like all the shit that he went through and so for years even like with all the bullshit that he's done in the last couple of years as far as like on the artist side and what he did for my childhood i'll never ever i could never be more appreciative of what that album did for me as far as crafting my sonic um taste um then honorary fourth that i play that i played a lot actually well yeah there's like five okay so there's the big three number four is outcast outcast mm. for sure specifically the love below because of how much i played that album and how much that did as far as expanding my like my um uh my understanding of what rap could be as far as mm. like the sonic palette um and then and putting me onto some stuff like uh the my favorite things like cover on there is really really beautifully well done it's like uh like a uh, breakbeat style but it's just like really 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 very well done. i used to play that all the time i would play a uh, forza 4 and just like play that and in the background back when you could download songs on the xbox and just play it on there <laughs> and just like have that like the first xbox um i think so a lot of people that, thinking you old lou Hey man, I've been around, man. Thirty years, man. It's been, <laughs> I've seen some things, man. I remember, you know, I remember before the internet. That's uh, like, like legit. Like Grandpa, the first Xbox. <laughs> There's some kid right now calling me a fucking boomer, some griefer. What do you mean the first Xbox? What do you mean the first? You what are you talking about? The Xbox One? Like no, no. The three sixty, like nah, before that. Before that, <laughs> oh. <laughs> And don't let me start talking to y'all about no Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't <laughs> like don't let me bust out the PS one. Don't let me bust out the sixty four on you. Actually, I, you know what's funny? I feel like more kids know about the sixty four somehow than yeah. That's now. a classic. Yeah. Uh, but didn't mean yeah. to cut you off. You love no, no, below no. Outcast four, and then the fifth one, which is now fifty, was my favorite for years and years and years and years and years. But this year, my absolute favorite. Who is that? Probably like number one B. If like fifty was like one A, one B, and is now officially one A, cemented probably forever, is Tyler the Creator. Mm-hmm. He won. We had the same birthday. He's like two years older than me, um. So that's already like we're practically the same guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with him, his music, um, I think Goblin was the first album that I really became aware of him at the time, like in like 2011. And I listened to that album uh, during a family trip. We took a family trip to St. Martin at the time. And that album will forever be paired up with that, that Island for the rest of my life. Like that memory of that time. Um, I remember, cause it was like Goblin was something I was like, Oh, I shouldn't be listening to this, but I can't stop. Like, mm-hmm. as far as like, um, like especially like the whole, it like the whole like not and like it like the whole like Satanist like devil worshiping vibe of it whatever like all that shit. Um, because at the time I was like you know I was raised Roman Catholic so I was like oh like this is like I can't play this around my mom but <laughs> naughty naughty <laughs> yeah but I was like but I got these two twelve inch subs in the back of my Honda Civic and this thing slaps so especially playing Yonkers I was like yo that shit 
bang so i was like yeah i am gonna listen to this shit and i kept and but like his story it was um one of those things where when you look at how his careers progressed if like looking back at that first project everything that he's done since then and like the like especially the chord progressions all that stuff is all there it just was like it just was covered up a little bit by all the like the, the shenanigans and antics but at the time i was like oh this is weird like this is different and his voice was like his vocal tone was completely different from whatever was going on at the time so um he like yeah and then like what he ended up doing career-wise um as far as like all the the creative shit that he's done with like both film with his merch with the festivals like Mm -hmm. everything has done has been like a blueprint for like that's how i would would have wanted Mm. like to do all these things and do all this like cool shit like his love of cars like uh like all this stuff and now like the 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 transition that he's having into like that he's been having into the like the sophisticated realm of now like the fashion houses and being in italy and all this like it's like on like the blueprint of like if i blew up at that time as well Mm. or if i was making music at that time and blew up those are likely decisions that I would have ended up making as far as like my overall career and, and, and design and like philosophy of like all those things that I wanted to do. So he continues to be a bit of like a North star um, as far as like his album creation, like with call me, if you get lost, what cemented it for me, by the way, was his uh, deluxe out deluxe version of the call me, if you get lost at state sale, mm-hmm. uh, the extra songs on that. I was like, yeah, no, nah, like I love the album already. But those extra songs like really like cemented it into where I was like, yeah, no, nah, like, mm-hmm. and the videos that he put out for it, where yeah, they were just like, it's just yeah, like it, like it's inspirational to see like what he's doing. I'm like, that's like where I want to be at, like as far as like that's the level of creativity and art mm-hmm. that I want to achieve, and knowing that there's still more shit to come from that, like he's still getting better, if not like at his peak right now, like it's it's insane. I love just how far in depth you went in with that explanation of those top five influences, because I think that level of intentionality with how you're listening to the artists who influence you can show up in your own music and how intentionally you're thinking about the craft you're putting out there. Um, I mentioned that I was going to throw you a couple curveball questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for curveball number one. Dodger style. So it's going to be a fastball, actually. I don't know if the Padres <laughs> fan can handle it. See, I had to, I had to bring it all the way back to the, the LA diss at the beginning of the podcast because listeners may not know, but I was about to come on this podcast in a Dodger jersey just because I was Bro. interviewing you. I was I totally forgot. I was like, oh, I gotta come on in all my San Diego gear as soon as the camera cut on. Like, yeah, what's going on, baby? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after uh, the season, we had. Um, I, I really mm-hmm. should uh, mm-hmm. take. A, I, I got to take some of the bass up my voice because uh, yeah, we didn't have that's that's what we like to hear. Um, but Lou Salem is in the studio and can have a verse on his on his track from one of those top five. Whose verse do you want on the Lou Salem single? Um, hmm. I have to say uh, number oh fuck because they're all like goats um and tyler is a goat to me too like he is up there i'd say kanye i'd have to pass because his writing as of late hasn't been the best to me so i'm like i'd have to pass 50 i'd probably have to pass 
only because we probably wouldn't have something like I could make something that we like we would fit together. But I know his latest verse on the Nas album, I was really hyped for, and it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Mm. So I don't. I feel like if I was in the studio with him, I could probably get it out of him. Honestly, I think I could. But um, as far as like now, the remaining three, um, Jay Z, Andre three thousand, and Big Boy, one either one of them, um, or Tyler, um. For the level, I think, you know what? I think the most fun one that I would have and that, because I think I'm thinking about like, oh, like to perform as well. Mm. I think Tyler would probably be the one that I would do because he's my favorite and Jay-Z honorable mention, but he would just talk about a bunch of rich shit that I don't, I can't talk about. (laughs) He's going to be flexing on you that whole verse. The whole verse. Like, I'm just like, dog, like, it's, it'd be cool, but I don't know what I would do with it. Honestly, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I just I would just produce a song. It'd just be a Jay Z song produced by me, I guess. Like <laughs> I just put it out. Um, and then Andre three thousand, Andre three thousand. Though I think I'm not gonna say that. Like I mean, as from a confidence standpoint, I feel like if we were sitting in the studio together and like writing, like I think I could come up with something that would be, would like match, but as far as like his shit like yeah it'd be alien like i think he'd bring out the alien mm-hmm. me, which is how good he is as far as like he would come up with some crazy shit and i'm like oh let me just take this rule book <laughs> of raps throw that shit out the window and just <laughs> baz off and just go crazy like we come up with some like definite like alien science shit i would want that one uh i wouldn't want to produce that one i don't want that one produced by uh monty booker mm-hmm. like if i had if i had like, if i could choose a producer on that one monty booker and featuring Andre 3000. Um, and then if the Tyler one, then he could produce it or we could collab on the producer. But like, I wouldn't mind if he produced either because his production is also really good. And he's also the reason why I made sure to learn how to produce because, yeah, that shit was, and that shit was just clutch. I just didn't want to wait on people at the time. Yeah. Like sound click and shit. And I was like, yeah, nah, um, <laughs> I need to learn how to make beats so I don't have to wait on this shit. And so that way I can produce for other people. And when I'm done rapping, I can go to production. So I hear that. Hey. Uh, I figured you were going to end up at Tyler. I was just curious what the thought process was going to be leading up to Tyler. Jay-Z definitely was going to hit you. Beginning of his verse, he's like, man, I only did this shit because I was in the area. Like, he yeah, going to be flexing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, dog, like, I, I, it would just be, I would just be, set, like, setting him up. I would, like, legit just playing a support role on the song <laughs> just to make, like, just to, like, make it sound better. Like, just to set it up for him. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> uh, Alu, I want to give you space to talk about one of your songs that a lot of people have heard you perform at Black Expression as mm-hmm. you go back to your yellow filter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Pirouette, yes. something that you have performed on Sessions at the Shop, you've performed it at Black Expression, Give us the backstory about Pirouette and what this song means to you. Yeah. So Pirouette is a song that. So to understand Pirouette and it's in, in its full or I guess and to understand it properly, you have to understand that Pirouette is part of a larger project. Like it's so I'm working on an album. Um, it's taken a long time. It's been a long time in the making. At least some of these beats that I have are like two, three years old. Um 
pirouette is a part of the album and it's a part of the album where describing like kind of like madness in an extent yeah. of uh of a, of a of an environment that i'm describing on the album um and so it's one of those reconciliations where sometimes I have stuff that I want to rap about or songs that I want to make that I didn't necessarily live the lifestyle. Like I didn't grow up in a super fucked up neighborhood or like, you know, or anything like that. But speaking about those things is still important because the shit is still going on. So I have to figure out a way that makes it to where I can rap about the song or I can rap these things and put it place it in a larger context so like when i say like you know like yo pirouette spinning nigga top like a pirouette i'm not out here spinning niggas blocks like that uh <laughs> i don't own a firearm yet so i'm just like but when you put it in the context of the larger album it's from a perspective of the people in this community of like that i'm describing as far as like like in particular on the album but um it's a it's a perspective that a lot of people unfortunately or fortunately can relate to um and so that's like that's the first thing so it's like it's part of a larger it's part of like the story that i'm crafting for the album so by itself it seem it may seem out of place for what i normally do but um placed in a larger context and if you understand like how i do my albums and projects it's like each project has an underlying story or some type of theme um art if you will uh so so that's that um and then pure wet as by its, as itself it started as it's kind of like a a little bit of a Frankenstein where I think I wrote Pirouette itself and like started writing the verse to a different song and then I or like a different beat and then I made that beat and so I was like all right bet but Pirouette so the Pirouette that everybody knows or that's out now probably isn't is not going to be the main version that goes on the album um I, I did at the future I did I actually premiered or previewed the the version that is going to go on the album as far as like the main context because that beat that I have for that version for the album version is much more in sync with what the other songs are going to sound like uh -huh. tone. um so but with pure wet um it was just one of those things where like i recorded on that beat or the beat that's out now and i was like oh well this shit is fucking hard so yeah i put it out um and so the song itself is described yeah it's describing like this neighbor this like fucked up situation and in and of itself like pirouette being you know as you know pirouette's is you know dance move for spinning in a circle but it's like just the cyclical nature of the pirouette of like uh, what is going on in that situation of course you know it's, you know when, once you put it together it's not like a super crazy like metaphor or anything like that but um yeah like the uh i'm trying to remember now like the, the verses how they go um but yeah, like so, like the the way the ver like the first verse goes, talking like the character on the first verse, he's talking from a perspective of like, like literally from the jump, it's like yo, I put my best foot forward, still got it stepped on, like, I did my best and I still got fucked over, so fuck, um, like I'm this is my like like I'm just running like I don't give a fuck about anything like. I'm running through this shit like my girl my girl's pissed off because I won't hit her back, but I'm like I'm out here chasing shit like. I'm running, you know, I'm running the streets. Like this will happen. And so like there's a third, and there's a third verse that continues that metaphor that'll probably go on the album that's not on the, the current one right now. But um, and then the second verse going into like goes even darker as far as the descent into that madness of the cycle, where by the end of it, like I'm damn near like screaming as far as like, yo, like 
I got these things like, you know, like fuck everything else. I got my, you know, I got my Skyline, uh, which is a reference to the Skyline GTR, which will make sense on the album when everything comes out. But I got my Skyline. I've got my, like, I've got my weapons, whatever. Like, but at the end of the day, like my life is for, like my life's forfeit, but who wants to die for this shit? Like who at that point, like very little regard for self at that point because of how fucked up their situation is. And that's probably the scariest person that you can think of as far as like, it's never the person that's all loud. It's not the person that's out here, you know, like, oh, I'll beat, I'll beat niggas up, whatever. It's just like, it's, I, I, it's the person that to me is like at the end of the rope and got nothing mm-hmm. else left to lose. And they're like, I've got, this is all I need in my life or like all these, these things in my life. But even that, like, even with these things that are like my crucial things to me, to my survival, even that, like, I'm like, yo, but like my life, like, it's like, I'm ready to die for this shit. Like, or like, I'll die for this shit. Are you like my life? Like Damn. that's, I think that's kind of like the, the way it ends for me is just like my, like my, I, I'll, I'll die for this shit in a second. Like, these are the things I got. I will sat, throw my life away for this shit. If you're not on that type of time, don't fuck mm-hmm. with, don't fuck with, like, leave me alone. Like do not. And, that, and it, to, there's a part of me that resonates with that, where I grew up, I've, I had a lot of, anger issues growing up where i wasn't getting into fights but just like an internal rage that i had to i had failed so many times to keep in check and had to learn how to properly process that to the point that now i have friends that like you know like people that have known me since you know since like from that like after that time when like i really got to like understand it more like that I learned just not to like pop off on certain yeah. things with people and learn how to like, I guess just for better suppress it to an extent. Um, but like, I've had things that have happened in the past couple of years for me where people go like, Holy shit. I thought you were like docile. And it's one of those things where I was like, I don't, I hate that term. Like I know what they mean. And I like, yeah. I they're not, I know they're not in like, they're not saying it to be mean or anything like that. But for me, I hate it only because, and it's not because it's like, I'm not pussy. Um, but it's like uh it's like, nah, like I don't want, like, I don't want that. I guess that uh, it made me like, is that how people see me? Like, it's just like uh, is that how people like view me as like that. Cause it's not like I'm trying to be the tough guy, but it's just like knowing that it's there it's it's interesting it's kind of jarring like people don't know that and don't see that and i'm like for an extent they probably shouldn't like i don't want you to see that but i also i I can see where it can be you know it's like you know your kindness gets taken for weakness kind of thing and it's like oh like it's not to be taken for weakness i just prefer i prefer a peaceful lifestyle i prefer like chilling out like i don't want to get there but i have found i also understand that there's a part of me that you know it's it's still there like as far as like the aggression and stuff like that so i have i've had to find ways or i find ways to get it out whether it be working out in the gym or like you know trying out jujitsu classes and stuff like that or going and doing like sporting stuff or just like playing video games stuff to where i can get that out and like like it's like the steam valve like or the pressure valve just like letting off mm-hmm. that pressure because i know for sure that if i grew up in a different area or if i grew up somewhere else it could get i probably would be in a lot uh, mm. of a situation or different set of parents or like household or whatever like it could easily be that way like and so like this character is a version of me that it's almost like an alternate universe version of me of like 
I like if I grew up in a completely different fucked up environment or the, if I grew up in this environment, how I imagined that I would have turned out as far as still having my brain and mental um, acuity as far as, you know, like smarts and everything like that. But being more directed by like and like like kind of being feel like the like feeling like how when you see so i see so much shit that fucks you up or you see too much behind the curtain of like just things around you and like you kind of give up hope as mm. far as like oh like like it's a blessing to curse the, the 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 gift of knowledge right like the more you know the more the shit weighs on you like looking yeah. at society and shit and you realize like oh like in order for things to change this has to happen and then this has to happen and then all these things have to happen it's a big rabbit hole yeah like it's a big rabbit hole that i've experienced the last couple of years especially during the pandemic when we just had nothing to do and really looking at just life in the world and realizing like oh shit like it like there's it, you can't unsee what you've seen or like picked up and noticed and so there's different ways to go about it. How do you react to that? And so this is mm -hmm. like one version. The purette is one reaction to that as far as like, well, I could go this route and just say, fuck it. Or like people that are from this environment, if you see, like if I was in this environment with all things, all the still same information I learned and everything like that, as far as like all the same things that I've seen, what would happen? And like, as far mm -hmm. as like, well, yeah, like I don't have much anyway, so it doesn't really make a difference for me other than survival and like, you know, enforcing myself or as far as like, as far as that goes. So, um, so yeah, so pirouette is like in a nutshell, it's like, it's like alter ego, loose Salem, as far as like or one mm -hmm. version of them um, in, in like an alternate timeline, mm -hmm. um, which makes sense, which when you think of the, when I put it in the context of the album, as far as, I've been referring it to this is my Iron Man as far as mm -hmm. setting up um, a series of albums and projects in a universe akin to the Marvel Universe, but allow it, it'll allow me to do different types of projects and genres and, mm -hmm. things like that and come up with different stuff. So this is like, this is why it's taking me so long because I need to like to set up everything and to put this stuff that's going to, the hints and things that are going to set it up for the long-term um yeah, so pirouette is like you know, it's, it's kind of like the first taste of that, I guess, but definitely like it's not even the I don't I want to say craziest song on the album. Like it's not even it's, to me, it's not the best song on the album yet. Mm. There's still to me, there's more. There's gonna be yeah, of course. Stuff. I mean, yeah, and it's still good. It's still good, and it's like if Kanye puts out a song that's like that's okay. Like it's Kanye. He can't put out shit shit music, but it's like the songs that it's like okay this isn't his best so i'm like it's one of my i do appreciate it for the fact that people are fuck with it i fuck with it like i it's not like i say i hate the song at all or like that i don't like it i love the song um it's just the first part and i think that yeah in the context of the whole album it'll it'll all make sense and people will, will hopefully one day um cole kushner will do a dissect podcast on this album Hey, if you don't, I will. <laughs> but no, I think that you did a great job just setting up the album. And I really appreciate just how in depth you were able to go with Pirouette and 
thinking of it as your Iron Man, thinking of alter egos. There's going to be a lot of layers to this album, I see, and I'm excited to see how that all comes to fruition. Did you freeze? Did I freeze? Are you from the now? What'd you say? No, I said you're good now. You you froze for me too, but uh, okay, okay. we're back though. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I just I I look forward to the next time I hear you perform pirouette because I feel like now I have such a deeper understanding of the song and your vision for the song, and of course, looking forward to when that album drops so I can feel the big picture and see the big picture, but. Yeah, just thank you for how intentional you were describing that because I feel like other people would be like, yeah, pirouette, like thinking about some dance shoes and yeah, now we're here. Well, I will say that's, um, uh, I think, well, I think, oh, I mean, people can go see the post. I think it's still up there, but the whole yeah, it uh, is. tap dance thing. Yeah, I used to tap dance and um, part of that too, as far as like just a quick recap for people that haven't seen it, just the tap dance, those tap dance shoes on the cover of pirouette was Sammy Davis Jr.'s. Um, tap dance shoes and he had a big like it's a like a like you read up on it and it's pretty fucked up like the shit that he went through to the point that he was just like bro like i'm just trying to be me like i'm just trying to do this shit i love i'm trying to sing i'm trying to dance like this is shit i love and people won't let me do that and like i can't be me so i have to like it's fucking me up internally so which also is also something i personally related to a lot with that and ties into pirouette as well so And then last but not least, with regards to your artistry as a rapper, as a performer, what do you hope people gain from your content, from your music, from your performances? What are you hoping that your audience takes away or learns about you? Um, I think what I I hope what people gain, I think with a lot of artists, it's there's a there's a, a superficial layer of like, hey, look how good I am. Like I take a lot of time and care in putting the music that i put together and like the lyrics like i'm not writing doesn't come isn't like the thing that comes like magically easy it does in some ticket cases but it's not like i'm not like lil wayne where he's like i can't stop rhyming words like it's not mm. like that hard, like that natural to me or like initial so it like i'm definitely a writer as far as taking some shit writing with it like pulling with it so I hope people one gain like the messages that I'm putting in there, or just I, I think can like appreciate and hear it and go, wow, this is a very well. This music is at another level. Um, so that's like the superficial level of like appreciate me, please. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like you know, should give me get praise this, please. I put a lot of time and effort, but on the on the, on a real level like on the deeper level i hope people like hear the lyrics and it's happened already which has been like which is kind of like making everything else a bonus as far as people hearing the lyrics and going like oh shit like this helped me out or like <clears throat> hearing the music like hearing the lyrics and going like fuck dude like i i hope pe- like uh, in another life i, I think i would have been a teacher and <clears throat> to an extent, i do that a lot in my current life of just like like i like explaining shit i like breaking down stuff i like seeing when i explain a concept to somebody that may be high level or complex and the light bulb goes off and they're like ah like i like that i like sharing that information so i hope from i think ultimately is that people learn new stuff or or get exposed to new topics that they 
previously weren't familiar with or just mm-hmm. like see different ways that things can be or different alternatives to like either the current status quo of like not just music but just like life like different ways that um you know you can express yourself as far as like different mediums and like and just take from that as hey man there's no like there, at the end of the day there's no rules on this shit there's no right like, we've seen so many artists break the rules sort of so to speak of music and you know the boundaries so it's like there's really no boundaries to this shit it's just you have to be consistent and i think the more intentional you are and the more that you really care about it the better it's going to be received ultimately it's just like you know like they say the cream rises all, all to the top um which isn't always the case but you do have to to like increase your chances of it you definitely have to be consistent and you definitely have to be intentional and thoughtful about what it is that you're doing and why it is that you do it because this career artist shit like it i've taken so many l's oh uh, i've been doing this for almost nine for about nine years now and i've taken so many l's so many almost i thought i was gonna make it here and i then i didn't and i had to live with that and i look back and all those l's like i'm appreciative of because they made me who i am today I learned so much of it. I'm not like, I don't get, I'm not scared as much of taking losses, but I am smarter from that. So it's like, all right, if I fuck up or if this fails or this doesn't work out, I have enough confidence in myself that I know I'll be okay. Like in life, you know, this isn't my everything, but I know that the happiness that I could achieve in life, I feel like I can achieve I don't know, like it, like doing this would, or like making it in music and a career for me would be, like, just it's like it feels like the dream of like, holy shit! I wake up, I get to create, and I survive mm. on that. I get to have like, I don't need a crazy big house. Like, I'm very much so like, I get me a little crib. I I got a family. I can support them. I don't ever have to worry about a dollar again. It doesn't have to be billions of dollars, but I'm like, if I right, but you're comfortable. Worry, yeah, like I'm cool then I, that frees me up to be able to fucking go doing things. And outside of music, like there's going to be a day where I'm like, I don't want to make music. I want to go drive race cars. Like, or <laughs> I want to go like dead ass. Like I'm like, my dream is to drive a formula one car. And it's absolutely like, it's like 10 euros or 10,000 euros to do. Like it's not that expensive at all to go drive one on a track for a couple laps. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. So all this music shit really, if you buy my music and support me, is just fueling the dream and to, for me to one day be in a Formula One car. And then um after that, I don't know, I'll go do something. Like I definitely <laughs> you'll see like in like this music shit pops off in like ten years. I probably I don't know if I'll be making music. One, because I'll be forty, but also I mean I'll still be making music, but like touring and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, like I wanna go be in like Italy with my wife and kids or something. Or like actually South Africa, South Africa, I really want to go to. Yeah. Hey, let's well, let's go ahead and manifest that for you. Yes. Um, one more thing that I want to make sure that we left some space to talk about. Uh, you recently scored one of your friend's films, and I wanted yes. you to have a little room to talk about what that experience was like. What is the film? When is that film being showcased? Et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um. So the film is called Full Moon. It's um my my friend Joe Gonzalez. Shout out to Joe. We go way, way, way back, like middle school friends, like mm-hmm. up to this day. So we go way back. Um, he ended up going to AFI, American Film Institute, up in LA and graduated this past year. And so for his 
uh, senior thesis project, um, he was he produced a film, the short film that I ended up scoring for. And so he had reached out, I think, like two years ago, I think, and asked if I was like, you know, open to the idea. And I was like, yeah, sure, dude. Like, just let me know. <laughs> um, and then last August, he reached out and was like, hey, like it's happening or like, you know, we're about done filming. Like, are you still down? And I was like, yeah. And then I went and Googled how to score a, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it was like, it was my first ever scoring. So I, I upgraded my, my digital audio workstation. Um, I used persona studio one. If you're an artist, listen very closely. Persona fear, uh, 14 bucks a month. Do it. If you don't have any other DAW, you don't have Ableton, you don't have anything else. Persona studio one. For $14 a month, you get a full professional digital audio workstation. It's what I used to score the film because you can import video in there and then create your beats and tracks and everything to the video or to the film in real time. So that was super convenient. I know there's Adobe Pro Premiere and all this other stuff, but for something that I already had and knew, it was a very convenient feature to be able to do that. So They need uh, to be sponsoring you. Personas, actually, no, it's not Sphere anymore. It's like Personas Plus or something like that, whatever the fuck it is. It's 14 bucks a month. I've been with them ever since I bought my Blue Yeti Studio mic about like six years ago. Um, and I got the free version of it and then just stuck with the software because it was the only thing I knew and had. And I was not paying for Ableton and I wasn't paying for Pro Tools. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, so I, I started the film. I got the I got the video and basically just like, I but I like it really was a thing of like googling and looking up like all right how to score a film what are the different ways to um, score it what do I like I was like researching a fuck ton of information so that when we had the first meeting with like him and the director I had all these questions ready so it was like all right I know what I'm doing okay what do you want the film to sound like um, what's the tone that you're going for it all right um what's like you know going through these characters coming with ideas watching the short film like and because they had placeholders for songs already that i knew so i was like all right cool um so this is the type of song that i'll or this beat that i'll recreate for this scene um do you want vocals on the track like just stuff that i had in mind like coming into it like from what they like showed me so the guy was like oh shit like he knows what he's talking about and i was like yeah <laughs> looks like it huh um <laughs> so I like I went into it and I, I I did all this research. I just started like just went in. Um, I mean, it was my first time using a bunch of these like plugins that were like high. Um, they were like high quality, like strings and flutes and like, you know, like full orchestra instruments. So I was learning in real time how to put together like orchestral elements to make some of those like signature like scoring notes and flourishes throughout a project or like throughout the scenes and everything um and i was just like yeah and like going through it with them and like getting feedback and like all you know meetings and 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 doing that and so it took about oh, i can't remember it took about maybe like a month or so um the film is like 20 or something I mean, it's not a super long film it's like 14 or 20 minutes or something like that i can't remember the exact time but i ended up coming up with like four or five songs um i did uh and then like it was one of the songs is like a signature theme that i ended up coming up with for like the main character mm -hmm. so it plays like on the outro of the of the song uh or the movie so um i did the i did the the score um sent them all the files and then you know they went had it mixed um finished all the like post-production and everything so that was like last fall. It was uh, originally, I think we were going to, they were trying to shoot for last October, but just had to push it, you know, post-production movie shit. 
So it ended up getting pushed all the way back to this year. So now it got selected to be part of the Screenfest LA um, Film Festival for um, the week or like I think it's like next yeah next week. Um, it'll be premiering at the TCL Chinese Theater um, on October 14th at 11 a.m. Tickets are, I think, are on sale. I don't know. Um, you have to Google it. Um, like, just look up uh, Google ScreenFest LA 2023 tickets. Um, tickets are, like, 13 bucks or something like that. They're super affordable, super cheap. Cheaper than I thought. So, um, yeah, it'll be there at 11. Um, I'll be there. For, I'm going to be there. Um, and then I got to come back down to San Diego. So it's legit. I'm taking a train up, going to watch a movie, hang out for like an hour or two, and then dip back down because I got shit to do. So, um, yeah, I'm honestly super, super excited. This was my first stab at uh, scoring a short film. It's something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um, uh, I'm, I'm already or. Then my my friend Joey actually just reached out that um somebody from the school is possibly looking to um hire me for their short film to score it. So oh, nice. Like, yeah, please. Um hopefully um that works out. I'm looking forward to it. But like, yeah, like if people got short films and need scoring for their short film or like just music in general, um, is something that, you know, I learned how to produce for a reason. So not just for music, but for like film and like, and not, and like, you know, doing sound design and stuff like that is as a film, it's a skill that I've been working on. And um, it's actually, if you listen to my projects, um, most of them, the intros, I think for my EPs that I did, uh, like the, what is it? The priceless series of like, don't touch me. I'm expensive. Price went up and priceless. The first two have skits at the beginning of the album. Yeah, first two. Yeah, yeah, first two have skits, and then the third one was just of like a spoken intro, and then the last one I did as intro for like a a full thing for was um, uh, knock no not knock it off um, damn deluxes damn deluxes was the last one that I did where it was like a three a quick three piece track that I put or EP that I put out like twenty one. Uh, and that one has an intro as well. So I've been doing it on my music for a while now. Like, yeah. Sound design. So um, it's something that I've just been like throwing in there. And it's a way for me to like showcase my, um, my, uh, it's like the extra creativity. Um, when I do yeah. projects, I like, I'll write a script or do something like that. I make a movie in my head and then soundtrack it. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm definitely interested in writing a short film one day. So I'll definitely be hitting you up to score said short film and i buried the lead a little bit one to make sure it didn't get lost what's the name of the short film that you scored full moon it's called full, full moon. moon it's a, a horror comedy um werewolf film so if you like like teen wolf um kind of vibes uh not teen wolf no teen wolf the movie the original mm -hmm. one like the 80s one and then i think they like the redid the the remake or the show was teen wolf again on mtv yeah yeah so it's it's like kind of like the mix of the two like a little bit campy as far as okay. the overall, like feel but it's um it's really good it's really well done very well um acted and everything so yeah awesome so rounding out this podcast lou uh, you've been so gracious with your time and giving us so many gems just have a few more quick hitter questions whatever comes first to mind totally fine for your answer uh first things first what i want to start with uh, how about so people have got in your background this episode if i am listening to this podcast and i'm like you know what lou has me hooked i want to check out his music 
where should I start? What's a favorite project of yours or a project that you feel is representative of who you are as an artist? That would be a good start for someone being introduced to Lou Salem. Um, Priceless. Priceless is probably the, the one that to me represents the most what I'm trying to do now. Um, it's It has like a full story on that album as far as like themes um so yeah priceless is the one that i think is the that's the one that i like the most the most recent one that i'm like i really really still fuck with like all of them. i still perform songs on that one um mischief i think is one that i do from that one all the time um i gotta do some more on those because some of those songs are the rest of those ones are like really really well done um and i performed a couple of them a few times but uh one day i think i'll do maybe i'll try to do a whole priceless set so people can see the whole thing but yeah, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that Priceless set. Um, and if I wanted to listen to Priceless or listen to any of your music, where would I be able to find you and how would I be able to support you as an artist? Um, it's everywhere. Um, as far as uh, like all the streaming services, um, I know I have a band camp where people can buy stuff, but I need to um, update it with like all the all the projects. It's just hard because I have like two three computers or like laptops mm. that i've like transitioned through over the years so there's a lot of files that i'm like do i really want to go back and, and try <laughs> to find these files and the masters and everything so i'm like ah fuck um but um there we go uh <laughs> um but yeah you can find me all streaming platforms um Lou salem l-e-w-s-a-l-e-m um yeah you find all that as far as support uh yeah just play the music share it with a friend word of mouth um pull up to shows um i don't have anything for sale currently um i am planning on doing um uh streaming uh i finally got my I, you can see by the camera setup um and you can't see it but i've got like my mic i've got, mm. got a steering wheel because i've been getting into racing games so um and panels are underneath that you can't see so i'm thinking about i've been wanting to do it for a minute but i'll be streaming racing games so getting my stream twitch whatever um all up so if you want to go on there i'm pretty sure there's like tipping and stuff like that um yeah i just need to just working on getting content that i can like actually outside of the music that people can enjoy and use um need to get back on merch for sure um i have a lot of ideas for that so it's just been personal life shit just trying to get my life and yeah. produce the best music. So, um, yeah, but the number one way, tell a friend, um, listen to the music. And, uh, if I put it out for sale, pay what you can and, uh, pull up the shows. Absolutely. And then what are some takeaways that you hope that our listeners take away from this episode? And then what is a takeaway or two that you're taking away from this episode? Um, I'm realizing kind of to, they're, they're, it's both the same point that I think we've only been, we've been talking for like just over an hour or so, like an hour and a half, it feels like. Um, and we, like, I realized I'm like, Oh, I barely have scratched the surface on things that like we could have, like, I could have also gone into as far as my background, um, you know, like with, when it comes to like health, um, when it comes to like spirituality, and things like that like a lot of stuff that um i think that in it kind of 
again, I don't want to sound conceited, but there's so many levels to who I am as a person. And again, like I kind of mentioned it before, there's so many things that we could like, I could go into depth in depth talking about, or that I would like talking about with people that it helps me with relating to people a lot and helps as an artist when I'm like conveying information. Um, but as far as like the connection, um, it's one of those things where I'm like, as we talk, I'm like, God damn, like I didn't talk about this. I didn't talk about that. Like, holy shit. Like this really could have been a four hour podcast that we <laughs> could have just kept going and going and going. I didn't talk about my history with sports. I didn't talk about, you know, injuries and the mental impact. So you're that. saying it's going to be a part two to this episode. I think it's got to be dog. Cause this is like, it's so much <laughs> that we can, we, we don't even have to talk about, like, I didn't get into my, my love of like Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles, like that mm. whole era of my life. Like there's definitely a lot more. Um, but, um, I hope what people get as a takeaway from this is just like, Yo, it, it's a, I've been doing this for years now and I still, even though, you know, a lot of people would think, you know, at 30, I forget what was her name, Asia Doll, that she was like, oh, if you're 30 and rapping, like something, she said something about that, like, why are you rapping, whatever, she talked shit about it. I'm 30 years old. I feel like I'm getting into the best shape of my life as far as physically, mentally, emotionally, like spiritually, like I'm getting, I'm still working on it and I'm like knowing what I could be. I'm like, oh, it's not too late. I think for people that are in my shoes that are feeling like, you know, you're all you're 26 and you're like, oh, fuck, I haven't blown up yet. Like I'm getting old. Um, there is a lane for you out there as an artist or creative. You just have to find it. You have to find what resonates with you the most, what like makes you when you're making it or creating, you're having the most fun with. And that's the thing that you should that will take you to where you want to go. You just have to cultivate it, stay the path, believe in yourself, be smart. Um, you know, don't compare yourself to the Joneses. Don't look over at what this person's doing in that lane or, you know, that lane. Like, focus on your own lane. Focus on your own backyard. Water your own grass. Um, and one way or another, it's going to work out in your favor, whether it be exactly how you want it, which is typically not how it looks. But it's going to work out in your favor. You just have to make sure that you're ready for it. And the more ready that you are, the more favors are going to come your way. The more, the more, it's kind of like the universe is only going to give you what you can handle, both right. bad and good. So the better, the more prepared you are for the good, the more good you'll receive. Hey, that's a hell of a takeaway. Um, this is a new question. You're the first person I'm trying this question out with to close out the pod. But do you have any recommendations for books, podcasts, movies, songs, anything that you feel like our listeners should engage with that if they were to engage with this piece of content, they would get to know you better or differently or just a different uh, aspect of you? Books, podcasts, movies, songs. Um, and you can just name one. It doesn't have to be all of them. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm trying to think of one, one that like encapsulates. Um, one, you know what? One book I read the last couple of years that I really enjoyed. Um, oh, I'll give. Oh, there's three. There's like three or four that I had when it was really good. One is Comedy Six God by Pete Holmes. Hilarious book. Um, very very fascinating book. I didn't expect it to be as insightful and as deep as it was. But uh, yeah, it was an amazing book. I read it during the pandemic, like right after, uh, right when it started. And I checked it out of the library, like right when the shit got going. So Comedy Six God, 
beautiful book. Um, uh, Spiritual Engineering, I think it is, by Sadhguru. That one was another really, really well done book. And I liked it a lot because he has a great way of writing. Like he has a very funny tone, but like he's like one of those those guys that's like he's funny and insightful at the same time. And you're just like, wow. Um <laughs> so uh spiritual so comedy sex god by Pete Holmes, Sadhguru, um, spiritual engineering. Um, I mean, you could always read the alchemist. Um that's always a, that's one that whenever I reread it, I pick up something different from it. And it's, I think that's why it's such a great fucking book. Um, there's another one, The Go Giver. I forget the artist's name, um, or not the art, artist, the author's name. I actually, have it. Let me make sure. Is that Bob Berger and John uh, David Man? Let me see. It's right here. Um, yeah, Bob Berger and John David Mann. Yep, The Go Giver. This book helped a lot with um this was given to me by my uh the, the founder of the company that I'm currently working for. Um this book helped a lot with you know when people say like oh don't give too much because then you'll never you won't have enough for yourself or like um you know people say like oh just focus on giving don't worry about a return. This book kind of helped conceptualize how that works out as far as you know when people think like oh like I guess the 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 mindset of like scarcity versus abundance as far as like you know people think like oh if I you know doggy dog world like if you give too much you're gonna get chewed up and spit out I think it helped a lot with being able to better to kind of like encourage you to like yo like it's actually like you'd be surprised how well it actually works out when you do give uh, like selflessly um and help the people around you without expecting a, a, a something in return out shit tends to work out for you like that and when you take care of people they usually um take care of you so um yeah the go-giver uh i can't think of any others off the top of my head but i would say the big two oh don't label me by uh i always say her name is ursan minaj or miss don't mind me just typing it is Urshad Manji. Urshad Manji. Beautiful, beautiful book, especially for today's like divided times and everybody. Um, great book, really well done, heart-wrenching, but like a beautiful, beautiful, well book, well done book. So Comedy Six God, Spiritual Engineering, Sadhguru, The Alchemist, The Go-Giver, and Don't Label Me by Urshad Manji. And I'm like, do I have any more? I'm gonna <laughs> stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna just give those five. If you forgot it didn't catch those, rewind, go back. Um, grab any one of those books and you're gonna be it'll definitely change a lot of like how you think, going into it with the open mind. And um yeah, you'll get a lot from it. So I highly recommend re- recommend those books. Blue, thank you so much for your time, your insight. Uh, you've given such amazing responses to every question and topic that we've gone through. I know that listeners are going to take a lot from this episode. Uh, that is all the, or those are all the questions that I had for you. So the last thing for the podcast, I just want to turn it over to you. Any shameless plugs, any shout outs, any manifestations? The mic is yours. Um, Shameless plug. Uh, I've been Lou Salem, L-E-W-S-A-L-E-M. Um, 
I'm 30 years old. I'm still chasing this music dream and uh, slowly getting there. So uh, any support that you can throw my way helps out. Support music. Just listen to it. And if you fuck with it, share it. If you don't, cool. Um, shameless plug. Uh, again, uh, Full Moon premiering October 14th at TCL Chinese Theater in L.A. If you're in L.A. and got time that morning, come out, support your boy, um, support the film. Um, album coming out 2024 currently uh i was gonna say spring but let me not do that to myself um so 2024 for sure album um i can't think of any other shameless plugs uh manifestations manifesting that uh this time next year the album's out it's done everything that i wanted it to do um manifest that uh i'll be working on the video game for it that is a big thing that um you a lot of people don't know that i want to do i'm currently learning coding for it so um yeah expect an album and then in some time in the future and a video game for it um new brand um everything when the album comes out everything is going to be rolled out with it so uh yeah a lot of stuff i'm working on but first things first got to take care of the mental and this whole thing because this doesn't get taken care of none of that happens so yeah take care of yourselves people drink water eat your veggies um weight lift weights go outside touch grass yeah <laughs> that has been Lou salem listeners of the banquet hall podcast uh as a reminder please make sure to follow the podcast at banquet hall pod uh Comment something below that you took away from this episode, something you learned from this episode. Go stream Lou Salem's music on streaming platforms. Uh, check out Full Moon for those of y'all out in LA. And yeah, go touch some grass, drink some water, eat your veggies. This has been advice from Lou Salem. This has been the podcast of two black men drinking tea and talking about everything from A to Z. No, I'm just kidding. That's not my closing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, I'm not going out like that. (laughs) Uh, Thank y'all for tuning in and we'll catch y'all next time, listeners.